Welcome to the Not Old Better Show, Smithsonian Associates interview series on radio and podcast. I'm Paul Vogelzang. And as part of our Art of Living interview series with Smithsonian Associates, our guest today is author, travel columnist, and music lover Bill Cleveland. Bill Cleveland will be appearing at the Smithsonian Associates, and you can check out more details in our show notes today. You love the songs that are the soundtrack of your life. Join me today with national travel journalist and broadcaster Bill Cleveland on a virtual road trip to the places where they were born and where iconic performers made history a memorable cross-country journey into the heart of American music. Our itinerary today takes us from instrument-themed museums to recording studios, famous stages, to murals honoring musical greats. Along the way, Bill Cleveland spotlights statues of artists, including Dolly Parton and Ray Charles, Motown's legendary Studio A, the Grand Ole Opry, the places where the blues and hip-hop were first heard, Little Richard's childhood home, the room where Aretha Franklin recorded her first hit, and the last spot Hank Williams was seen alive. It's a virtual trip that will bring back plenty of memories and perhaps inspire your own real-life one to follow the music you love. All of this can be found in Bill Cleveland's new book and in our interview today. The title of Bill Cleveland's book is The Ultimate American Music Bucket List, a guide for music lovers and road trippers. This is a wonderful companion to any drive. Bill Cleveland currently shares road trip stories on radio and television stations across the United States. You can hear him nationally on Sirius XM Satellite Radio, as well as on several syndicated travel programs. Please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show Smithsonian Associates interview series on radio and podcast, Smithsonian Associates, Bill Cleveland. Bill Cleveland, welcome to the program. Hey there, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's so nice to talk to you today. I hope uh, hope you're well and everybody, uh, you and yours, are all doing okay. We've had some isolation and some challenging times, but I hope everything's good for you there. Everything actually is great. I literally just sold my house a couple of days ago. Wow. And um, plan to travel full time starting in the fall. So I'm, I am very excited, very well, and ready for a new and exciting uh, chapter in life. <laughs> well, good. Well, congratulations. I Thanks. think it's probably... The time to sell, but knowing what you do, traveling across America, that just sounds like the perfect uh, exit plan. <laughs> I'm yeah, I'm very fortunate. You know, so many people said, "Oh yeah, you can sell, but then you got to buy something else." I said, "Uh uh uh, not me. I'm I'm one of the few people lucky enough to go. Eh, I, I'll figure it out when I figure it out." But um, yeah, so I'm ready to ready to hit the road and uh, do more stories and um and have a little freedom for a while. Yeah, well, that sounds good. Well, my best. To you absolutely of course um bill cleveland is host of bill on the road and we'll put links on our website to where our audience can find out more information about bill on the road but we are talking today about your upcoming smithsonian associates presentation and i wonder if you just briefly tell us a little bit about what you plan to talk about there yeah, so uh, the new book is called The Ultimate American Music Bucket List. And as you sort of alluded to, I drive all over the United States. Um, started Bill on the Road back in 2013. I've been a broadcaster my entire life. I was just telling somebody yesterday I recorded my first radio commercial when I was 13. So I have always had radio in my blood. And uh, so did that for 20 years in the St. Louis market. And um, somewhere in the middle of there, I started this website, BillOnTheRoad.com. And I 
Um, to just do little short stories, little video, you know, vignettes here and there or whatever, just sort of a hobby for fun. And then very quickly realized that there was actually a career to be made out of this. Who knew? Right. Um, and so started traveling all over the country and doing stories. And um, and here we are. So five travel books in. This is the fifth one. And um, this is all about. Um, you know, taking a musical road trip across the country and, you know, especially right now, people are looking for things that, you know, everybody kind of agrees on things that can bring people together. And, you know, who doesn't love music and, you know, who doesn't love a good road trip? And so I combined both of those. And um, and what we do, Paul, is we, we take people on a musical journey across the country. So whether it is a recording studio that you can go in and tour where, say, you know, Aretha Franklin recorded her very first hit song or whether it is, um, you know, a grave site, of, you know, maybe uh, Hank Williams Sr. down in Montgomery, Alabama, or a childhood home of, you know, where little Richard lived as a kid in Macon, Georgia. You know, we have all of these amazing sites all over the country. And I would say 95% of them that I put in the book, you can actually either go in and tour or you can get right up close and and see it in person and you know it we, we can't always say that about everything uh, you know, historical, right? We knock a lot of things down. We we move things. We, but but it's amazing how many things tied to music history have been preserved and saved. And so that's what the book's all about. I love it. I um, I've got a a copy of the book uh, coming my way, and I'm excited. This just has me written all over it too, Bill. And I I love this idea that. You know, we do get to visit some of these sites. We actually get to go and kind of interact a little bit about it. So, so maybe tell us who's doing it right out there. What what are the various places that you've you've visited? Maybe just touch on a couple that they're preserving American music, um, and then have these great music stories associated with it. Who's doing it well? Where are the well, sites that we can visit that are just doing it the best? Well, one that gets talked about a lot um, is is probably Sun Studio. That's that's probably one of my favorites. Sun mm-hmm. Records down in in Memphis, Tennessee. And I say that knowing they sell my book now, so you know, got to give them a little, oh, got to give them a little Absolutely. extra love, right? Yeah, good, um, good, good. And you know, if for, for anybody that hasn't uh, toured Sun Studio and doesn't really know the history of Sun Studio and Sun Records, you know, so back in the day, this is where Elvis, you know, got his first start. But not just Elvis; it's Roy Orbison and it's Johnny Cash and it's Jerry Lee Lewis and Carl Perkins and others. And, um, and, you know, you talk about doing it right. So, you know, you walk into this little tiny room. It is really nothing special. You know, old linoleum floors. You look up. I always joke that, you know, the ceiling tiles could fall on your head at any moment. You know, nothing's been updated. It's just it's exactly the way it was when a young Elvis Presley walked in and recorded for the very first time. And the first time, people don't always remember, it was it was not a, um, a song to be um, you know released. It was a song he recorded for his mom. And so he walked in. And so what's really cool about Sun Studio and how they do it right, you walk in, you're standing right there where Elvis would have stood. They have some of the microphones that would have been in that session. And then they play for you, Paul, 
the actual recordings from from those early days and you know and you can hear the crackle in the audio and i mean there are very few places that give me goosebumps and every time i'm in sun studio you get goosebumps because you can just close your eyes or you don't even have to close your eyes you you feel like you were there or you are there when Elvis was, was recording. And so that's one place I think that really, really does a great job. That sounds fantastic. Elvis is the king and uh, going to visit Sun Studio would be really a memorable stop there in, in Memphis. Mm -hmm. There's the new Elvis film out right now. This is kind of all things Elvis moment. So all good. Well, so you mentioned St. Louis. So, I, I take it maybe you're from there. I think is that where the Chuck Berry statue is? Is Blueberry Hill Music in St. Louis? Am I right about that? Correct. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Tell us yeah. about so Chuck, Chuck Berry. Sure. So Chuck Berry um, was from St. Louis, lived here um, almost all of his life. And what's what's really cool about the um, you know you mentioned the Chuck Berry statue. It is a this larger than life statue. It's very big. I don't know the exact dimensions but it's i think it's like it's like might be seven or eight feet tall i mean it's a big it's a big statue and it sort of um you know shows his signature um duck walk dance you know that he used to do across the stage and uh, directly across the street is a location called blueberry hill and uh, that's owned by joe edwards joe and chuck became very good friends um chuck did not have very many close friends um just as you know what a lot of musicians and artists find out that you know the people that are closest to them are, you know, <laughs> embezzling money or they're, you know, all these things. So it's hard to get really good friends. But just so Joe Edwards was one of the few really close friends Chuck Berry had. And so he owned this property, Blueberry Hill. And Chuck Berry performed there once a month um, until his death, actually. I think he he recorded really, or excuse me, he did concerts all the way up to the end. And in the in the basement, they have a place called the Duck Room. And it's essentially a basement with a stage is what it is. And you can fit, I don't know, maybe a couple hundred people down there. And Chuck Berry would go and perform, like I say, once a month, and you would be right up close to Chuck Berry. And, you know, you get to see this legend um, who, you know, had struggles in his life like a lot of folks. But you can't deny the fact that this guy was, you know, one of the very early architects of rock and roll music. And uh, without his influence and, you know, genius, a lot of things might be different um, today in the music world. So that is a really cool spot to see. And yeah, that statue is it's one of the coolest I've seen. Yeah, that that would be high on my list. And so let's move so let's go to the kind of the the country western side of the the music world. There's there's statues and and great locations for for all of those folks too. Do I understand correctly? Is there a Dolly Parton statue too? There is, yes. And who doesn't love Dolly Parton? I had the pleasure of meeting her who a couple doesn't? of years ago, and she, you know, every oh, wow. everybody always says, "Oh, she's the nicest person in the world." And you know, I hear those things, and I'm I'm just immediately cynical, right? And and sure <laughs> enough, she was just as sweet and as nice and polite as you would hope she would be. Uh, tiny little thing, Dolly Parton, um, but very nice. And her statue is just outside of Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Um, Pigeon Forge is home to Dollywood, which you know I always tell people you. you you just assume that, you know, these folks, you know, they just slap their name on a theme park, you know, and just, you know, rake in some bucks. But but this Dolly World, this is a first class theme park. It is just it's clean. The rides are fantastic. There's good, you know, good theme park food there. There, It's just a really neat place. And then there's a Dolly Parton Museum inside 
um, of the the theme park, and it's basically everything she's ever won or wore or owned. And if you are including her tour bus, she has a, one of her tour buses there. You can go in and and you know check out. But um, lots of cool artifacts, and like I mentioned, just awards everything from her Kennedy Center Honors Award to oh, Grammys gosh. to uh, it's it's super neat. And um, yeah, Dolly Parton, no no one like her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what are some of your favorite spots? Well, you know, I mentioned at the start, you know, where Aretha Franklin recorded her first song. One of my favorite stops is, is Fame Studios in uh, Muscle Shoals, Alabama. And, and there's a great documentary for your audience if they haven't seen it. And I think you can watch it for free on YouTube. Um, and it's just called Muscle Shoals. And if you are a music fan or a music history fan, I would highly recommend you watch this because it basically tells the story of uh, fame and how that studio got started and how it attracted so many artists, everybody from I mentioned Aretha now a couple of times, but, you know, the Rolling Stones and I mean, Paul Simon and Wilson Pickett and just, you know, a lot of country acts and um, um, soul acts. And it's it's just amazing how many people recorded there and their their musicians, their studio band was known as the Swampers. So if anybody's ever heard, I always say, you know, if anybody's ever heard the Leonard Skinner song, Sweet Home Alabama, which I'm sure we all have heard maybe way too many times by now in our lives. Um, there's a line in that song, which most people don't even realize because none of us actually know the lyrics to most songs, right? We just kind of we kind of hum along and pretend. But there, there's a line in there where it says, "Muscle Shoals has got the Swampers. They've been known to um, sing a song or two. And actually, I probably screwed that up a little bit. But that's the that's the premise of it. And so the Swampers were this famous um, uh, these famous studio musicians who recorded in Muscle Shoals and developed what was what became the Muscle Shoals sound. And so you had people who would come out of Nashville, which of course is this, you know, hot recording town, uh, but they would leave Nashville to go about an hour or two south to Muscle Shoals and and have their songs recorded. And so there's so much history and you can walk in uh, and again, just like in Sun Studio, you stand in the spot where all of these amazing songs were recorded and uh, get a little tour and you know the people are really friendly. Um, and then down the street, there's the Muscle Shoals Sound Studio, which you know eventually the Swampers decided to branch out on their own and start their own studio. So you you go down the street essentially, you know, a few blocks down the road, and and you can go into the Muscle Shoals Sound Studio where you know Bob Seger recorded old time rock and roll, and you know Paul Simon recorded Kodachrome, and you know all these great songs that were recorded in this little tiny town in uh, in northern Alabama. Hi, it's Paul. Do you love entertaining, informative, eclectic, insightful programs about culture, health, science, life, and everything Smithsonian? As part of our Smithsonian Associates interview series on radio and podcast, we're introducing you to the new Smithsonian Associates streaming series. Smithsonian, a nonprofit organization, is excited to present this new aspect of their 55 years as the world's largest museum-based educational program. Join us from the comfort of your home as we periodically interview Smithsonian Associate guest speakers. Our audience here on radio and podcast can explore our website for more information, links, and details at notold-better.com. Thanks, everybody. We are talking with Bill Cleveland. Bill Cleveland will be at the Smithsonian Associates coming up. Please check out the website for notes and details about Bill Cleveland's presentation titled Follow the Music, An All-American Road Trip. Bill Cleveland is author of the new book. He's written several. The new book is The Ultimate American Music Bucket List. 
Man, mine is on the way. I can't wait to get it, Bill Cleveland. I'm excited to have that book because I can just see, you know, my wife and I going on a road trip and playing the music right alongside the the travel. It'll it'll just be fantastic. There's uh, there's everything that uh, can be gained from a good road trip with some music. I think absolutely, absolutely. And you know what's cool? So you know, I always joke with my friends, I, I tell them that I write books for people who don't like to read. <laughs> and they look at me and they go, why would you say such a thing? I say, because my my books, I, I want to get in because I don't, I'll be honest with you, Paul, and your audience, I, I don't I don't read a whole heck of a lot of books. I'm just, I'm not, I don't have the patience to sit there and read a book. So the way that I write my, my travel books, I, I get you some good information. I always do trivia, right? So every chapter's got a cool, you know, interesting trivia question. And then of course we have photos, but you know, I want to get you some great information and send you on your way. Like I, I want you to go out and do your own exploring. Don't just read it from me. Go out and live it. Go out and have those experiences on your own. And a lot of people have told me over the years that my books, they wind up in the, uh, you know, the glove compartment yeah, of yeah. a, uh, you know, an RV or even just, you know, your regular car so that when people are traveling, you know, we've always got an index. So if you're in California or Michigan or wherever, you flip back and go, oh, I had no idea I could go visit, you know, Motown Studios in Detroit or I could go and visit, you know, what, whatever. Um, so that's kind of cool. It is. Yeah, I, I definitely think that this is a book that we're just going to keep, you know, on hand, right in the car with us at all times. You never know what you might just come across. And I, I love the – in my research of you, I found that, you know, you, you also talk a little bit about some of the, the musicians and uh, artists that uh, are no longer with us. And, and you have a couple of grave sites that um, you mention in the book. And I, I wonder if you just tell us one of the stories about just these fascinating grave sites that you've come well, across. First of all, it always frightens me when somebody says they've researched me. Uh, you know, I just... Uh, I... <laughs> <laughs> I, I just I why, get into this stuff, you, Bill, and I you you have a wonderful life, and I tell you this it just is exciting to to talk to you and learn about you because you, man, you're doing some very cool I'm things. Ve I'm very blessed. You you bet. Um, so in, in the book, there's actually an entire section on what we call memorials and grave sites. So you know there, there's there's a bunch of you know, notable grave sites mentioned. So whether it's Whitney Houston, you know, up in New Jersey, or, you know, I mentioned Hank Williams in, um, in Alabama. Um, but so people can go and, and see those sites up close, you know, uh, George Jones in Nashville or, um, but we also do, and I say we, me, it just no, make no mistake. I did all, I did all of this. I have no team. It's just, it's just Bill on the road, not Bill it and is friends. Bill on yeah. the road. It is. Um, it sounds more <laughs> professional. We go, we, like I have a team. I don't, it's me. Um, and so you, you can actually go to, uh, um, a lot of plane crash sites, which sounds really morbid. And I suppose it is, but when you think about how many musicians over the year of years have died in plane crashes, it's pretty unbelievable. So, you know, Patsy Cline's plane went down a little town called Camden, Tennessee, about, uh, you know, maybe an hour and 45 minutes from Nashville. You can go and you can visit that site. You can go and visit the site where Buddy Holly's plane crashed in uh, Clear Lake, Iowa. You'll remember that the day the music died, right? Uh, Buddy Holly, the big bopper and Richie Valens that, so you can go to that site, um, and do a little hike to, to where, where that went down. Uh, Jim Croce died in a plane crash. Um, who else? I mean, Leonard Skinner, Otis Redding, you know, there are a bunch that, and so I, I make mentions of those as well. 
so people can go and, um, you know, and kind of pay their respect, especially if they're a big fan, you know, I'm big, I, you know, always loved Patsy Cline's music. And so getting to visit that was, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was nice to be able to go and just, you know, say you were there, um, again, a little morbid, but, but some people really enjoy the, the grave sites. Um, you know, I meet people who go like, you know, to new Orleans or whatever, and all they want to do is go to the cemeteries, you know, like I'm not that guy, but if you are, uh, then we've got some options for you um, on the music side. Well, and I thought it was cool, too, that, you know, speaking of Buddy Holly, and I, and I just love Buddy Holly. I love that music. But the Big Bopper, they're, they're kind of their last performance. You have that highlighted in the book, too, in Clear Lake, Iowa. So maybe tell us a little bit about that site. Well, you know, it's interesting. I did a, a talk just a couple of nights ago at a county library here in the St. Louis region where I currently live. And, um, I was telling somebody who asked a question, I said, I said, how do you spell Holly? You know, how do you spell buddy Holly? And the guy of course goes, well, H O L L Y. And I said, well, that's not accurate. That's not how buddy Holly really spelled his name. His name was H O L L E Y. And if you look at his gravesite, that's the way that it's spelled. And apparently if I remember, if I remember correctly, um, there was some sort of a contract that he had signed and, and the record company or the management or whatever misspelled his name, H O L L Y. He signed it. And then of course, here we are, we're off to the races. So buddy Holly, his name was misspelled from the beginning. Um, and then what's really cool about, you know, some of the buddy Holly sites down in Lubbock, Texas, they've got the buddy Holly center and, and right next door, or maybe kind of across the parking lot or whatever that they, they have moved the home of one of his best friends, one of the guys who was in the crickets. Remember, it was Buddy Holly and the crickets. I'm too young to know this stuff, but I, but I, I know I, I've done my research. Um, and so it, it was uh, Jerry Allison was his name, and so this house that they have, Buddy Holly and Jerry um, and the guys would would get together, write songs, and hang out, and you know, as you would, you know, as young 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 kids. And um, but what's cool about that house is. When Buddy Holly, Buddy Holly one day went to a movie and I believe it was The Searchers by John Wayne and John Wayne in the movie repeatedly used the phrase, that'll be the day. And Buddy Holly supposedly after that movie, he came back home and wrote the song. That'll be the day with Jerry Allison in this little house that you can go and tour in, in Lubbock, Texas. And um, and that's pretty cool because that was a you know, that was a big song. And there were a lot of people. When you look at the big artists of, you know, the 60s and 70s, uh, you know, they looked up to Buddy Holly. You know, he was a huge influence on them. And so that was a that's a really cool piece of American music history tied to Buddy Holly yeah. um, down in Texas. Absolutely. Well, other, you know, big locations that you kind of chat a little bit about in the book, Motown, and so much great music came out of there. Tell us a little bit about Studio A there. Well, I, so I've been to Motown twice now. Uh, my favorite story with Motown, and you can go in, you can tour, it's, you know, Hitsville, USA, and it's where Barry Gordy Jr., uh, you know, he purchased this home, um, started his company with, I believe it was an $800 loan from his family started uh, Motown and he had, you know, various record labels and, and so on. And, uh, but was interesting about the, this house and, and he had, also, he had, I think there were, I think there were five or six other houses that he purchased down the street. So one was the studio of course, but then he had one that, you know, would become, you know, the marketing department and the next one would be, you know, the business department, you know, whatever. So he had this whole street 
And uh, but inside Studio A, you walk in, it's you know, it's pretty small, but um, it's where, you know, all those great songs, everything from, you know, Marvin Gaye to the Supremes to the Temptations and the Four Tops and Stevie Wonder and, you know, the Jackson Five. And they all recorded inside this this little studio. Um, But my favorite kind of Motown story is that, you know, they would take these artists who were, you know, for the most part, there were, there were some that had some experience on stage and touring and that sort of thing. But for the most part, you know, these were just young kids that were from Detroit or, or nearby. And so, um, they really didn't have a lot of experience on stage or dealing with the public and that sort of thing. And some of them, if you can believe it, didn't even know how to dance. And, you know, that always shocks me when I see, for example, the temptations up on stage, you know, on a YouTube clip now, or, you know, one of those, you know, they always roll those time life specials, right? Where they show the temptations back in the day and they're trying to sell their CDs or whatever. Uh, and you see those and, and I, I know that they they weren't they did not know really how to dance very well when they first got started. And what the the most interesting story to come out of Motown, at least if you take the tour and you'll you'll learn from the docents, is that um, you know one of the women uh, that that was tasked with with teaching these folks choreography, the way they got them to start learning how to dance was they told them to shovel while they're on stage. Now, think about that. When you think about the temptations and watch those moves that they make, think about it. They're shoveling to the left and then shoveling to the right. And it all kind of makes (laughs) sense when you start watching it on camera. There they are. Yeah. But not knowing that and you're like, man, look at those cool moves. And they're all in together and they're spinning around. And that's kind of how that uh, that got started. I I love that story because basically because it inspires a, you know, a white guy like me with no rhythm that maybe even I could dance at some point. uh, All I got to do is shovel. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Keep shoveling. Keep on shoveling. (laughs) (laughs) What surprises did you come across as you were doing the research and writing of this book? Um, surprise, I, you know, I, I'll tell you real quick that my, my favorite story probably, and it is a surprise. I went to tour, uh, so Johnny Cash had, um, you know, I mentioned how, you know, some artists have folks close to them that, you know, are kind of screwing them over. Uh, Johnny Cash was no exception. He had a accountant that was embezzling money from him. And it turned out that there was a, um, um, a, an accountant that took, not only money, but he actually purchased a um, a ranch outside of Nashville with Johnny Cash's money. And of course, you know, Cash eventually found out, fired the guy. I think he did prison time. And um, but he he learned about the ranch and he went there and he liked it so much. He just kept it instead of selling it. And so today, what's really cool is that, you know, a couple of folks purchased the, the property and it's now open to the public. And a lot of people don't know about it. It's in Bon Aqua, Tennessee. So it's, you know, it's a little bit away from Nashville, but it's where Johnny Cash would go and he would, you know, just kind of get away from it all. And so I decided to go and visit. And and I was on my way through this particular part of Tennessee. And I knew I was going to be there a little bit later uh, than I needed to be to just take a general public tour. So I called and I told him who I was and I just kind of pleaded. I said, oh my gosh, I'm just, I'm so close. Is there any way you could just stay open for a little longer, you know? And and the gal that answered couldn't have been nicer. She's like, oh yeah, you bet, come on down. And you know, that great Southern hospitality. So I went down, I meet the lady at this little tiny museum. Inside the museum, they've got, um, you know, Johnny Cash's 
uh, you know, the bed that that he and June Carter Cash slept in for like 30 years, you know, th- things like that. I mean, there's all these great artifacts that they've stored. And then down the road about a mile is the is the the farm. And so I said, uh, so how do I get there? She's like, oh, just just go down. She goes, uh, just go on down. She goes, the gates are closed. But when you get there, just just call me or text me, I guess. And I'll just I can open the gate from here for you. Okay, sure. So I go down the road. Sure enough, I get there. There it is. You see the big, you know, iron uh, fence. It's got music notes all across the top of it. And uh, she opens it up. They open up. I drive in and I go explore the farm and, um, you know, take photographs and and just it was just amazing. And then after taking some pictures and hanging out for a bit, I thought, you know, I wonder if the house is open. I wonder if you know the doors are open. So okay, I. Uh, I opened the door and it, it did open. And as I swung the door open, there were people inside the house and they all stopped and oh, stared wow. at me. And I, and I thought, Oh my God. <laughs> and I, and so, uh, one guy goes, Oh, he goes, Oh, are you the cash's photographer? Cause I have a tripod, you know, in my hand with a camera. And I thought, and I said, yeah. no, no, I said, I'm, and I just said, I said, I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm Bill, I'm here on a tour, you know, and, and so, uh, to their credit, they said, oh, we'll just, we'll come on in. And little did I know there were members of the Cash family inside the house and they were planning a party for the, the, the following evening. And so I go in and I just chat a little bit with these people. And, uh, and before I know it, man, they, they're taking pictures of me all over the house and, and telling Whoa, me stories. And, and I have a, I have oh a photo. It's one of my favorite pictures. It's me sitting in Johnny Cash's favorite leather reclining chair. The one he would just sit there and just kind of look out the back door at this, you know, open space and chill out. And, uh, and I've got a picture of me sitting there. I, it was unbelievable. And then they, you know, God love them. They were like, do you want to just, do you want to stay and, and you can go to the party tomorrow? I'm like, I, I, you know, <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to believe this story yeah. up till now. I might as well just call it a win and go home, you know. And, and I, I did have other <laughs> obligations, so I couldn't stay. But but I mean, what an amazing experience. And um, but I can't I can't guarantee you the cash relatives will be there when you visit. Uh, but it is really cool to see that ranch up close and in person. That would be a surprise. <laughs> Absolutely. Walking into that family gathering. Gosh, yeah, what a great life you've had. You've just been so generous with you. I just have one final quick question for you because yeah, I know sure. you're busy, Bill Cleveland. And yeah, we're good. Really, thank you so much. But maybe tell us what's your favorite road trip playlist maybe give us a couple songs that we can go out with. oh my gosh my favorite road well so i won't i won't share the entire story now i'll maybe i'll save that for when i do my presentation for the smithsonian but old time rock and roll is a great one i've got a i've got a great Ah, great story to share with folks um about the origins of of that song by bob seger and the silver bullet band great great story um love old time rock and roll um big fan of aretha franklin man i you know nothing better than hearing um you know freeway of love as you're driving down the interstate or huey lewis in the news yeah. i love all those you know uh, those great uh, 80s jams um but anything that's not going to put me to sleep you know that's <laughs> um, that's what we like on the radio as we're doing our doing our road trips <laughs> 
Well, Bill Cleveland, uh, our guest today, author of the wonderful new book. I'm looking forward to it, Bill Cleveland, The Ultimate American Music Bucket List. It just got, uh, just going to be a great book to just keep on hand. I just encourage it to all of our audience, and I encourage everyone to check out the website for more details on Bill Cleveland and his book and his upcoming presentation at Smithsonian Associates. Bill Cleveland is a road trip guy and is a power road trip traveler <laughs> and has the wonderful website Bill on the Road and we'll put links up to all of that but Bill Cleveland thanks for being so generous for sharing some of these great stories more to come at the Smithsonian Associates but thanks so much Bill Cleveland Oh you bet it's my pleasure and yeah folks can get the book on the on billontheroad.com or americanmusicbucketlist.com if they want to follow along the night of uh, of the chat or uh, or if they want to make me earn their purchase they can they can do that too and pick it up after the uh, the event whatever whatever works for them uh happy to get those out to your listeners good well i just encourage everybody to do it i'm in the former camp so i'm going to get mine soon and i understand that there's a possibility i might even be able to get a bill cleveland autograph in the book too so i got my fingers crossed well you know you know paul that uh, that lowers the that lowers the value of the book it's <laughs> as soon as I sign it. So I don't know if you want that or not. Oh, got to have it. Got to have it, Bill Cleveland. Well, thank you, sir. And uh, you have a great rest of your day. My best to you and everybody. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing you here at Smithsonian. But thank you, Bill Cleveland. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. My thanks to author, road tripper, and music lover Bill Cleveland for his generous time today. Bill Cleveland will be appearing at the Smithsonian Associates, and you can check out more details in our show notes today. I thank you, my wonderful audience here on the Not Old Better Show. Please be well, be safe, and let's eliminate assault rifles. Assault rifles are not necessary in our hands, and they instill fear in our children and grandchildren in the very place that they learn, school. Please, let's do this. And please, let's talk about better. The Not Old Better Show, Smithsonian Associates Art of Living interview series on radio and podcast. Thanks, everybody. See you next time.